You're listening to Wolf Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Max Steele, Max Steele Show, brought to you by uh, Max21D.com. Uh, self, uh, what am I? Listener supported station, please donate. You don't hear me? Okay. All right. Okay. You want me to start all over again? No? You want me to keep going? Just hearing some background noise. Okay. Hold on a second. Please. Um, okay. It's coming from my kitchen. Uh, heavy breathing from Monster. Who's breathing? Who's from the monster. I'm, am I a monster? Oh, no. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, okay. Let me get going. I want to thank uh, my producer, executive producer, director, and vice president and chairman of the board, Russ, and Jennifer, my co-host, my wife, Nicole, my other co-host. Let's just say she's my the other host. And Vanessa, my moderator, thank you for all you nice people being here. I also want to thank the chat room, the Wolf Pack, the very best of the Wolf Packs. They're very good people of the Wolf Packs. They're awesome and they're smart. And I want to thank also the people in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Southwest Eastern Europe. Well, anyway, uh, New Zealand. Australia, South America, and North America, and my beautiful wife, and uh, and uh, also the people in Alaska and Canada, my second favorite company in my life. Listen, I want to say something. This past weekend, uh, well, actually, uh, I left uh, the studios here in Max the Ocean House, <laughs> and uh, we went left Wednesday. And we went to Tampa, Florida, where Maxi Poo here, Max Steele, became a Knight of the Templar. That's right. I became a Knight Templar. Let me explain just a little bit about that. Uh, I was knighted in a very nice church, stone church in Tampa, Florida, on Sunday. Uh, we had to go to many uh, classes and stuff like that to learn about a little bit about everything. And uh, well, um, it was it was very tiring because I had to be there for about it was twelve, uh, fourteen hours on Saturday. Boy, was I tired and sleepy. Anyway, uh, it went really well because uh, uh, well at the ceremonies on Sunday where I got knighted. And then uh, I got my diplomatic immunity as, as also an ambassador. I got all that. Uh, I'm going to show in a little bit uh, on video here because tomorrow, tonight the video from this show will be on there. And I'm going to show you the, uh, the uh, Knights of the Templar uh, that I have. Uh, the Knights of the Templar back in those days, there were not connected to the Catholic Church at all, okay? And they were not connected to the Masons at all too, either. There were just crusaders that went to help the good people, the Christians and all that. So they got all killed and assassinated. They assassinated them, and, and the responsible for that was the Catholic Church. 
Back in those days, the classic chirp was really bad. Like the cabal is now in these days. But uh, we are now, we're back. We're here to stay. And nobody's going to do what they did back in those days. We're a lot smarter and we got all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we don't fight with, we don't fight with swords anymore. We fight with lasers. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get on with the show. What's that? Fight with a pen. Yeah, we, or with a pencil. A long one. But it's got it made of 40, a 440 stainless steel. It has those nice sharp swords. Anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone for being on the show. I really do. Uh, to come out here on your busy schedule and to be with us. Um, I also want to send a big hug to my friend, um, JP, who has been missing in action for about four months. And I worry about my friend there. I really care. and I love you, my brother. If you're listening to the show, we all love you and we miss you very much. So once in a while, sneak into my show because I would love that. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, I met, uh, I was in, uh, ceremony there uh on saturday was it saturday no it was a ceremony there was two people that was there wendy and i don't remember the other girl but she says you sound like a, a person that talks on wolf spirit radio his name is max he said, you know him he said you're talking to him <laughs> and she, she was so happy about that so i did meet two of my uh fans Anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody on my Facebook for listening for this. I just want to say something very quickly before I bring Stefan in, because this is very important. We had today a national Wi-Fi alert on our cell phone. <coughs> I find this a little bit. I'm not believing it yet, but <coughs> excuse me. What I, what I, okay. I got one at 2.18 p.m. My phone did the alert. And then as soon as it did it, it said confirm. So I confirmed it. I wish I hadn't done that. But anyway, one of my neighbors down the street, he said, it said confirm on him. He didn't do it. And then two seconds later, they hit him again. And then he confirmed it. Well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, I'm being analyzing all this and talking with my panel here before we got on the air. And uh, I'm going <laughs> to, excuse me, I'm going to go talk to my cell phone provider tomorrow and say, can you give me another SIM card? <laughs> you know what that means. Anyway, I think the SIM cards have phone numbers, so I don't want to change my phone number. I got too many people calling me. Anyway, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm honoring our guest again. He came back last week, and we're going to do a three parts uh, uh, this week and next week. We're going to do it too. He's got a lot to say. So, Stefan, uh, come on into the show and uh, 
speak your piece. I ain't gonna stop you. You just keep talking. Well, I want to thank I want to thank you, Max, for having me. I want to thank my friend Jen there, who's your co-host, and your lovely wife Nicole, Vanessa, Russ, and the Wolf Pack in the chat room. Woof, woof, woof to everybody who's here. In the <laughs> Ow. Thank you. Ow. Always want to do the Wolfman Jack. Now I got my chance here. Oh, uh, go ahead and do it. Yeah, here in tonight's program, I'm going to discuss personal freedom in America, or in my case, the lack of it. For those of you listeners who want to hear me talk about the hollow earth, legends and mysteries and things of that nature, I promise I'll come back next week to talk about all these topics and more. If you can't wait till next week, I've got a website that you can go to, hollowearth.webs.com. And I have all the information there about the uh, the subjects that you uh, you long for. In tonight's program, I will talk about things that happened from 2008 to the present. I'll do it in, in five or six short segments. I realized that after I went through everything that I've written, that I've got another book book here to write. So this is, I guess, this is a good thing because nothing in life has happened is bad. Uh, I'll pick up in 2008. Where I left off, Max, I talked about uh, leaving uh, New York to go out west and start looking for uh, underground civilizations and uh, things to do with uh, Mount Shasta. So in 2008, one of the listeners had uh, heard me on Coast to Coast, and they sent me a uh, a CD about Mel's Hole and about this endless hole that was 15,000 feet with a bottomless pit. So I was curious. They were in uh, Olympia, Washington, and the hole, I believe, was uh, near Nassus Ridge in uh, Washington State. So I thought, well, let me go out that way, and uh, we'll see. And I'll work from Mount Rainier all the way down to Shasta and uh, be able to uh, investigate all of the Cascade Mountain Ranges, just not the one you know, Shasta that I was interested in. So I did. When I was out there, I... Uh, met a lovely woman named Renee, Renee from LA. You could probably find her YouTube videos uh, on YouTube. And uh, while I was there, met some Native Americans from the uh, Nisqually tribe who knew I was coming, which I found quite interesting and were happy to give me the oral history of the Native Americans uh, since uh, they're, they're beginning here on the planet. Right after that, Renee had showed me a, uh, a, a YouTube video. It was someone doing an interview regarding uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, President Bush Sr. And uh, that the fact that he was not you know, a, an American, he was a Nazi, he was the son of George Sherp Jr., a, a, a legal immigrant accountant uh, who, who came with his father to uh, steal the secrets of uh, Nikola Tesla and give them to the Germans to win World War II. So as I listened to the story, I said, well, I'm going to go investigate it. And I told the fellow, Eric Orion, I'll spend a couple of days looking this up. He said, I assure you that what I'm telling you is true. He was going out with the daughter uh, of Otto Skorzeny, who happened to be uh, Hitler's bodyguard. And he was here in America under Operation Paperclip, hiding in Florida as a contractor. And he was about to die. And he was a little pissed off that George Herbert Walker Bush had screwed him out of, out of a lot of money. These were his words and that he wanted to get even before he crossed over. So he gave a box of photos to Eric Orion, who uh, put him out on a website called, I guess, the, uh, the Bush Nazi Connection, and uh, he had me take a look at it. After looking at it, I said, well, let me go ahead 
and do what I do. I do research. I go and I researched and I found out that he was right. George Herbert Walker Bush wasn't born to Prescott Bush. No birth certificate, no records of even being on the census. And I realized that, you know, uh, I found out some interesting stuff. That here's a man who was elected president who uh, had to be confirmed by the FBI. So what kind of background check could they have done on someone who was really a Nazi? But right after that, in 2008, Renee's brake lines got cut of her car. I was threatened in uh, Olympia, Washington, told by three, four guys that if I stayed in town, it wouldn't be pretty. They were going to take me out. And I just told them, I said, you know, I'm not afraid of you. And you do what you got to do. I said, we can go right now. I says, because three of you and me, we got even odds. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. But I was serious. I'm, you know, if I'm going to die, you know, you guys are going to have to start now because, you know, bring your lunch because I'm not afraid of you. So right after that, I realized that. I was a target there in Olympia, Washington. A couple of days later, we were riding up to, uh, to to Tacoma, and we were coming past Fort Lewis, which is a military uh, installation there in uh, the area. And this black SUV comes alongside of us, and he rolls down the window, and he hits me with this EMF ray, almost blowing off the top of my head like the Kennedy assassination. So I roll back in my seat, and Renee says, you all right? I said, I just got hit in the head. So she pulls over to the shoulder, which is a dangerous thing to do on I-5 on the interstate. And I tried to get my composer. So she says, I'm taking you to the reservation. So quickly she drove me to the Nisqually Reservation where one of the Indian chiefs that I know, you know, did a ceremony on me to, uh, to get me back normal. But he said, I just got hit there. And he was going to protect me the whole time that I was up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So. There I knew, you know, there's some stuff going on, but I couldn't figure out why they were targeting me. I said, well, this, I said, I must be onto something with this George Bush, you know, Nazi connection. And I figured it could also be the 9-11 thing. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, like Dr. John would say. But in any event, you know, uh, it's not what happens to you, Max. It's how you deal with it. So there in September, I went to a Native American uh, a drumming for peace rally and i met some other native americans who uh immediately saw that i had protection they said saint germain was behind me now you're familiar and some of your listeners are probably familiar with saint germain i hadn't been and that was the first time that i had heard the name and the hair on the back of my neck stood up because i realized that gee if i'm being protected i better find out who this man is so everywhere i went when i was on the west coast other Native Americans had told me of his presence with me. In October, I decided I wanted to stay out in uh, the area there in the Pacific Northwest. So I had worked previously for a company by the name of Circuit City. Some of you listening might also be familiar with Circuit City. I spent two years as a video sales counselor in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, I decided, well, for the holidays, why don't I go into the store let them know that I've had at least two years experience as a video counselor and see if they could use someone for the holidays and Christmas. So I went and met with the manager and he liked what I had to say. He realized that I, I still was very familiar with the company's policies and their, um, their procedures. And he said, well, fill out an application, which I did. Not long after I fill out the application, I get a phone call back from him. He says, Stephen, can you come into the store? So I do. And he said to me, he goes, your application, we don't know what happened to it. He goes, can you fill out another one? I said, sure, I fill out another one. And then he says to me, by the way, do you have another social security number? I said, I only have one. 
He said, well, this one apparently isn't working. I'm not going to be able to hire you unless you, you know, you could produce a valid social security. So I go on my wallet and I show him, look, this is the same number that I put on the information. So I said to the manager, I said, this is kind of odd. I spent two years in your organization and this, you know, you can't process my application. He says, why don't you call the corporate office in Virginia and have them look in the corporate office records? And surely I'm there. I gave them all the dates and everything. So he says, all right. He goes, well, it's late in the day. He goes, I'll call him up in the first thing in the morning and I'll get back with you tomorrow. So the following day, I got a phone call from him. He said, I called the office there and human resources said, there is no record of you whatsoever working for our company. So now I look at Renee. I says, I can't believe this. I says, someone has erased my social security number and erased my record of employment. So thereafter, I says, well, let me contact the state senator uh, from uh, Washington State. And Debbie Stabile, I think was her name. And I says, being I'm a New Yorker, let me contact Hillary Clinton and uh, Chuck Schumer and let them know that, you know, something's wrong. My rights are being violated. So I, I do that. And in the process, you know, I get no response from any of them. And I just I just waited. So I said, let me go for a couple other jobs came in the area. and. Uh, See what happens. Well, every other job I went for, the same thing happened. Either they weren't hiring me for whatever the reasons, and they said that the Social Security number doesn't match, as though I was coming in from Mexico and I was an illegal. And I just shook my head. I said, you know, I'm, I'm being thrown under a bus, and I don't know why. So here I am now unemployable at this point. So I said to Renee, I said, look, I says, I can't deal with any more drama than this. I'm going back to New York, and I'll figure it out um, when I go back to New York. So in November of 2008, I came back to New York. And around uh, February of 2009, or fast forward, I got a lucky break because now I went back to researching, and I get an email from a man named James who belonged to a hollow earth group that I was part of. And he sends me a photo of a mysterious rock basalt foundation that supposedly led to underground uh, civilization on the Mount Shasta. So I'm thinking, okay, now that I know I'm unemployed, I'm not employable, I might as well go and be the researcher, be the Indiana Jones, and go looking for this stuff because now, mysteriously, the time had made itself available, So, which I did. So I then in April went out to uh, Mount Shasta to be able to look for this basalt rock foundation. When I got out there, I... I uh, Went and stayed at a bed and breakfast there. Aida was her name. And uh, the first three days I was there, she said to me, uh, Stefan, she goes, can I read your cards? I said, tarot cards? She says, yes. She goes, but I'm not going to charge you. She says, I'm curious about something. So I came upstairs and I'm sitting there with her in the kitchen area and she reads my cards. And she said to me, she says, there's a lot of people who are afraid of what you're about to find or look for and say or do. She says, there's been black helicopters circling my home since the moment that you checked in here. <laughs> so I said to her, I said, it's interesting. And as we looked out, there was one like hovering about 100 yards away from her back window in the direction of Mount Shasta itself. So I decided, well, if I'm going to be under surveillance, I, I, I got to do something about it. So on the way to town that day, I'm walking down and there's a black helicopter following me all the way down as I'm going into town. So as I come down, I see the Mount Shasta Herald newspaper. 
I says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk into the editor's office of the Manchester Herald, introduce myself to the editor, let him know who I am and why I'm in town. I said, this way, these helicopters, if they see me walking into the, the newspaper building, they have to realize that, you know, I'm going to rat them out if need be. And so I, I go in, I met the editor, and I told him why I was there, about the legend and everything, which was a local legend that you could find in the Emily A. Frank book that would be in the, the news stands, newspapers, and also in the visitor center in town. So they all knew about this legend. And so Steve Gerace was very, very uh, interested in what I had to say. So he got Charlie Uncafer, one of his columnists, to write an article. And they put me in the paper, a, a whole page layout about Here's a guy coming from New York looking for underground civilization. And after I read the article, I said, gee, I said, you know what? I, I was trying to be low key coming into town. All of a sudden now it's a cause to Lebra. So this is kind of like my entrance into Mount Shasta. Thereafter, I uh, was lecturing at the College of the Siskiyous and some of the people from the St. Germain Foundation had come to my lecture and uh, they wanted to talk to me. And the property where I was looking for this of the Salt Rock Foundation, happened to be old Shasta Springs Resort, which was now owned by the, uh, the secret uh, clandestine group, uh, the uh, St. Germain Foundation. And they didn't want anybody on their property to see this unusual rock basalt foundation. So I assured one of the elders that the only reason I wanted to see it is because I believed I had seen it in a previous embodiment as the man of the legend. So after convincing Evan, the, the elder from the organization, he took me over to see this rock basalt foundation. I was with uh, probably some of you might be listening by, might be familiar with Diane Robbins, who writes about Telos. So Diane and I were together. I'd done some narrations for her while I was there. So she was there. And we were taken on the grounds and we got to see the grounds. Now, mind you, I have permission. So I even took a photo of the man, Evan, pointing to this unusual rock foundation because I knew later on that photo might, you know, uh, provide me with freedom in the event that someone tried to throw me under the bus and say that I may have been trespassing on that. So after that, I uh, had a visit a couple of weeks after that by uh, the same St. Uh, Germain Foundation elder. And you said too many people are talking about, you know, their property and that people are now scaling, you know, the property to go on there to look at this unusual basalt rock foundation and that St. Germain was going to burn my ass. I looked at him and said, St. Germain is going to burn my ass? I said, gee, I was just up in Washington State and I just heard that St. Germain was going to protect my ass. So which is it? Am my ass going to be protected or is my ass going to be burned? You know, because I think I'm protected. So, you know, he didn't like the fact that I made a joke of it. He said, well, bad things will happen if you continue to talk about these things. So I didn't really pay too much time, attention more to it. But then I realized, you know, let me go ahead to the college and uh, sign up to do a, a TV program called Legend, Mystery, and More. Because I figured the best defense is to have a good offense. So I said, I'm going to go public and do a, uh, a cable show every week as long as I'm here. I paid in advance for the whole season. And I said, I'll get three people to run my cameras and I'm going to teach myself to uh, to be a television host, producer and, and whatever in a New York minute, which is what I did while I was there. So all this time while I'm out there, I'm looking around for things, finding some things and noticing that I'm constantly being under surveillance. But I wasn't paranoid. But at the same point, 
I was very guarded and who I allowed to come near me and who wanted to approach me. I had women approaching me and uh, as though they wanted to take one for the team. And I go, no, no, no. I just, I see through this and I'm just, uh, I'm not an easy mark for someone to gain my confidence. I, and I tell people, you know, I, I only meet people through referrals. So if someone isn't, doesn't introduce you to me to someone else that I know, it's not going to happen. You know, no habla inglés to, to, to entiende. So I just go into my, uh, no, you, you're not, you're not going to speak to me on something I don't know you. I can't trust you. And I'm not going to do that. But right after that, I decided, well, it's time to uh, stop doing the, the TV show. It wasn't fun anymore. So a friend of mine asked me to produce an uh, a internet radio show called Shift is Happening. So I did. We went up to uh, Oregon, Nevada, and different places. We're doing remote, uh, you know, interviews, whatever. And uh, while I was up there, a phone call comes in, and from it's from Arthur, who had been one of the cameramen who had a TV program on uh, the college's program, MCTV 15, as well, called The Day in Telos. And he calls me. He says, "Dude, you're famous." He said, famous? He says, yeah, the FBI was here. The U.S. Forest Service was here. They bought all of your TV programs. They told uh, Audrey Gibson that they're looking to arrest you for digging a hole in the mountain. I said, digging a hole? He said, yeah, the hole was 50 feet deep and 18 feet wide. I said, Arthur, I said, you'd have to have, you know, earth moving equipment to do that. You'd have to have, you know, the ability to have a lot of people. I said, all I've got is a teaspoon, you know, for sugar. I said, do me a favor, call up the FBI or Forest Service, give them my phone number. We need to talk because they must be on some good hallucinogenics because I didn't do it. He says, well, they said you were there in the area in that time. I said, just because I was in the area doesn't mean that I do it, did it. And I didn't have the motive for doing it, for digging it up. So I realized that you know someone was trying to, uh, to throw me under the bus about this. So after that point, I decided that I wasn't going back to Shasta for a while until I could figure out what's going on. So in December of 2009, I headed down to LA for a little while. And while I was in Marina Del Rey with uh, Deb, uh, the person I was producing the show for, I was poisoned and where I nearly died. And luckily I said to her, do me a favor, get me to Chinatown. So she drives me to Chinatown, which is near Dodger Stadium there. And I go there, I'm like, I'm like out of breath, I have respiratory problems, and uh, this Chinese doctor does a uh, thorough check on me and found out that I was having certain symptoms and prescribed certain things for me. So luckily, I got the right things. In about three or four days, I was able to get my health back, but I couldn't breathe whatsoever. So whatever they, they sent to me, this poison had it where... I was probably going to die within a couple of days if I didn't get some sort of a remedy. So luckily I did in uh, February of 2010, which is two months later. I said, I'm going back to New York. So I did. And when I went back to New York on February, I was uh, followed by, I was surprised in front of Madison Square Garden, FBI director himself, uh, Robert Mueller, and Joseph Damaris Jr., the assistant director of the New York FBI, about following me in front of New York uh, Penn Station there. So I went and took the picture of both of them. They didn't see me take the pictures. And uh, as I walked away from Penn Station, I go, gee, I said, I must really be, you know, way up on the list for these guys personally to put themselves out there. And then I said, you know, these guys must be really low on the totem pole then. 
Because for someone to put them on the street where the possibility of them being recognized was very great because I, I remember everything. I have a great recall. I then walked across the street and this six foot five, look like FBI agent comes over to me. He tries to like get me against the wall and try to like just uh, body me up, so to speak. And I looked at him. I said, look, I know who you are. I said, if you have a problem with me, I said, read me my rights, charge me if you have probable cause. If not, get out of my face because it's not going to be pretty. What I'm going to do to you, I'm, I'm warning you, you have to you know, first identify yourself. And if you don't identify yourself, then, you know, your culito was meal, you know? And uh, so, like, for anybody who doesn't understand that, I, I, his ass would be mine. So uh, he backed up. And I said, you know, let, let me go back to Brooklyn. I said, I got to get out of Manhattan because this is crazy. So when I go back to Brooklyn, I go to the library. And I decide to um, take the photos that I had taken and make copies of them, put them on other flash drives. And I said, you know, I'm going to do one thing that I really don't want to do. I printed out 50 copies of just the assistant director, Joseph Demarest's picture, and I put them into a folder. And as I went home, you know, my mother said, your brother's in the hospital, go see him. After I left my brother, I said, you know, I said, let me take these flyers and put them on the police cars in the 90th precinct. So I put them on all the windshields of the police cars in the 90th precinct. And I went in and saw one of the detectives introduce myself. Oh, by the way, here's a picture of the assistant director of the FBI who is you know, on a surveillance and he's following me for no reason with no probable cause. So within a month later, that assistant director was moved out of the New York office and transferred to the International Division in Washington with a bogus story that he was having a relationship with a woman named Carlson. And because of that, they split them up. So I got him moved out of New York for what he did. I didn't put up, you know, Joe, uh, Robert Mueller's photos because I kept them for in case later use. Because I'm figuring, you know, if you're playing cards, you got to save something. You got, you got to have a trump card, so to speak. And uh, so I did. I saved it. And that was kind of what what happened between 2008 and 2010. If anybody wants to remark, I'm, uh, I'll go into 2010 and 11, but if anybody has anything about what I've just said, we can go over it right now. Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen, we just wanted to go back a little bit. Vanessa, our moderator, had a question about um, uh, when you had tried to get employment. Did, had you checked with Social Security to see if you had any records of uh, your working? Yeah, later on I did, and it was there. Mysteriously, then it reappeared. It, it was all there, and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now you see it, now you know. It was, you know, it's, it's like wow. the, sock, the sock in the dryer. You know, yeah, it, it's been missing, and then months later you find it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been wow. my employment career, you know, little sock in the dryer. But yeah, I mean, mysteriously, it, it reappeared. But I didn't take it personal because I realized that, you know, it was for a reason. It gave me the time to now research, to take care of my brother, to go out and look for things right tied to a J-O-B. Right. Excellent. Okay. So continue on. Okay. So here in, in part two is from 2008 to 2010. So, well, actually, I did that one. Hold on a minute. Okay. So now 2010 to 2011. Uh, Basically, this was March of 2010. This is after the FBI incidents. All of a sudden, I've got a car trying to sideswipe me and, and by the curb and try to pin me into another car. So there were several attempts in March of 2010 to run me over. I was taking my brother one day to see his doctor, and uh, 
they tried to run me over while I'm taking my brother to see his doctor. So my brother, he was getting very, very paranoid with this. And uh, it just seemed like every night he was having uh, a convulsion or something was going on. And like, I was really like a wit's end because I knew that, you know, I felt like I contributed to this, though I, I didn't really directly. I just knew that my mother would probably want to blame me that I come back to New York and all of a sudden my brother is getting sicker and I'm supposed to be getting him better. So black helicopters overhead. And uh, the next day I see a black helicopter being escorting a presidential helicopter with a seal on it. So I look up and I could see three or four people in this helicopter. This, on this day, Barack Obama was uh, addressing the United Nations. This was like 1.30 in the afternoon, so he had got done doing his address. But when I looked up in the presidential helicopter, there was Barack Obama looking down at me. And I'm saying, is this wild or what? And I knew I could see, because it was close enough where I could see, and I've got very good vision. So right after that, I call up my friend Devin in California. I says, Deb, I got these people following me. All of a sudden, I got a presidential helicopter following me. She says, well, look, she says, I'll get you a ticket back to L.A. Just pack your stuff, and you can be back here tonight or tomorrow. So I went, packed my stuff, told my mom. I says, I'm out of here. Didn't explain anything. And I headed back to, to L.A. I'm figuring, you know, if I got stuff like this happening with the FBI and then the presidential helicopter and people – trying to hurt me, it's time to get out of New York. It's just, uh, it's not a place to be in. So I went back and as I went back, uh, I kept working with Deb, producing her show, uh, Shift is Happening. And then in July of 2010, we're doing a show up in uh, Oregon, Ashland, Oregon. Someone breaks into my trailer where I'm staying and they hack into one of my computers, take all my photos. And I'm realizing, I said, they're looking for something. I don't know what they're looking for, but I surmise it might be something to do with uh, Robert Mueller's photo that I, that I took uh, a couple months back in front of Madison Square Garden because I never put him out, yet I never said that he was following me. I just put out the assistant director and hung him out to dry. So that was pretty much what happened in August. In September of 2010, my brother dies. And uh, when my brother dies, I get the phone call from my mom, and uh, am I coming to the funeral? So here I am now in Mount Shasta, and I'm having lunch in this place called Strings Italian Restaurant. I'm talking to a girlfriend, who, one of my girlfriends at that time, and she says, what are you going to do? I says, well, I'm probably going to go to the airport. Can you drive me to the airport? She said, no problem. She goes, uh, when do you have to go? I says, well, when we get back to the house, I'll make arrangements, and uh We'll, we'll figure it out from there. As I had the conversation with her, I look up and who's standing directly in front of me across the street, the assistant director of the FBI, Joseph Damaris Jr., the same man who uh, six months before that in Mount Shasta was there with his boss, Robert Mueller, you know, shadowing me in front of Madison Square Garden. So Kat looks at me and she says, you know him, don't you? So he's looking at me with a scowl on his face. So I looked at him. I said, yeah, I think I know who he is. She goes, what's his name? I said, oh, that's Joe. So I said, let's go, let's go say hello to him. So as we go across the street, she was nervous. So she grabs me by the forearm. She goes, don't you do anything. I said, no, I'm not going to do anything. Because I knew he was the assistant director of the FBI. 
So as we go across, he's got his baseball cap on, and I tip my cap as I, I, I get in front of him. He tips his cap. He smiles at me. I smile at him. I walk past him, and I walk down Mount Shasta Boulevard. So Kat says to me, she goes, who was that? And I said, oh, that was the assistant director of the New York office of the FBI who got transferred to the International Division in Washington. I guess he's got a bone to pick with me. So uh, I realized at that point, I wasn't going to go back to New York for my brother's funeral. I said, no, I says, I don't think I'm getting on a plane today or tomorrow because I felt like bad things could happen. These guys were sending me a message and I felt like they were bullying me, but who was going to believe what, what I'm, I'm telling you now? So I said, you know, I'm just going to roll with this. Just, uh, just keep doing what I'm doing and just be low key and try to go below the radar. So one of the things in my life that, that bothered me now was that, and I, as, as I recall it, is not being able to, to be there for my brother in those uh, final time with the family. So I stayed there in, um, in California, and a friend of mine had a place at the R Ranch, was up near the California border. So for, for the winter months, I sat by the fireplace, watched TV, read some books, and made some YouTube movies, and kind of like was mourning for my brother, really. I was mourning because, you know, I loved, I loved him. I took care of him since he was a baby. And he was always sickly. And I, I always had him under my wing. And I just felt like I wish I could have done more. But I, I was just thankful that for the time that I had with him and the memories that I had. And, and these are the things that I remembered while sitting on the ranch. But while I'm sitting on the ranch, at night, I would sometimes camp outside in the trailer, and either I'd stay in the ranch or I'd, I'd camp outside in the trailer, and I'd, I'd put out a tent, and I'd go out by the stream there by the river, and uh, I would uh, stay out at night. And at nighttime, a couple of times, I got black helicopters would be buzzing me all night, so finally I'm getting pissed off. I'm saying, I got problems right now just trying to get my life adjusted. My social security number has been expunged. Uh, my brother just died, you know. I'm, I'm exiled here up on this ranch. I want to go home, and I really can't. And I says, well, let, let me go watch some TV. I became a couch potato. And at that point, it's interesting what happens, but when I became the couch potato, they had a, a story on about Osama bin Laden, how he was terrorizing the world and, you know, all different stuff, more attacks, more this. I'm looking, I'm saying, man, this is such BS, you know, just, just the, the, the amount of coverage that this is getting when it's really a non-event. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and research this. I wanted to figure out who this man really was. You know, is he really this terrorist Al-Qaeda or is this Al-Qaeda thing made up by the U.S. government? You know, it, it can only be one or the other. So I went and I started to research this. And I realized I found photos. I said, you know, what are the things that you can't fake? Well, one of the things you can't fake is fingerprints or palm prints, or two of the things, actually. So I, I go and do a Google search. What are the odds of two people having the same fingerprints or palm prints? And it was like 50-some-odd billion to one. So I determined the fact that if I could find someone with a match, it, have, it would have to be them. So I did. I ran all the photos I could of Osama bin Laden. And that was the one that they had him brazenly putting up his right hand. I solemnly swear to kill everybody in the universe and America as well. And I went, took the photo, 
And I compared it to a photo of Barack Obama waving to a crowd uh, as he was getting on an airplane. Unbelievably, it was a perfect match. I went and I said, okay, let me get three other pictures of this to make sure. Let me send this to some other people. Now, Jen, you're on the line and you know the person. So I saw Kathy, a friend of mine in Michigan. I said, let me send it to Kathy. I sent it to Kathy. She says, let me send it to a couple of people who are Photoshop experts and people to determine, you know, if what I've got is a bullseye or it's BS. She gets back to me. She calls me back immediately. She says, you're right on it. She goes, he did pose as Osama bin Laden. I said, well, there was more than one person. It was like four or five guys that posed in different photos of Osama, but he's the only one with his hand up, with his palm raised, which proves that he was one of those five. And uh, so at that point, next thing I know, I decide to go to Michigan. And uh, while I was in Michigan with Kathy, Jen, as you know, Kathy, uh, I was poisoned in a Costco supermarket. Somebody had put uh, some sort of anthrax on the handles of the shopping cart. And while I was being poisoned, the man was looking at me to see what kind of reaction that I was having. Now, I walked over with Kathy to pay at the register. And while we did, Kathy turns to the man and says, would you like to go ahead of us? The whole time he's looking at me to see my reaction. I turned like beet red like a tomato. My arms puffed up like the Incredible Hulk. And the way he was looking at me with disdain, I said to him, I said, oh, so you're the one who did this to me. Well, he drops the cart and runs out of the Costco. And Kathy said, what's the matter? I said, you got to get me out of here. I says, I think I'm going to die. So luckily, her office was 10 minutes away from where we were in Bryden, Michigan. And she was a homeopathic doctor, but she had enough uh, training to be able to uh, determine what, what I was given. And it turned out I was given some sort of form of anthrax. And within 10 minutes of her diagnosing, she gave me an antidote. And all of a sudden, my heart rate went back to normal. My, my coloring came back. My respiratory condition changed. And my heart didn't feel like I was going to jump out of my chest. So right after that, I said, you know, let me call this Costco up and have them look at the cameras, you know, to see who this individual was. So now I want to know. So the next day, I get a phone call. Oh, by the way, uh, we don't know how it happened but the cameras weren't working last night. I said, really? So there's no film whatsoever of, of yesterday's uh, you know, customers? They said, no. So I realized that whoever it was went, as, went to great lengths to get rid of the evidence of their guy, you know, their assassin, whoever, whatever you want to call him, who came in to try to hurt me. So this is kind of like one of my experiences there in Michigan. So right after that, I realized that, you know, these people really wanted, wanted to put me to, put me away. And uh, I was told by a psychic while I was out there that George Herbert Walker Bush was responsible for my situation. And I realized that, you know, he had a lot to lose if I was right about all the things that I had mentioned with that. So Kathy and I, we kind of parted ways after that because I felt like, I was bringing too much drama into her life at that point, but she realized that I was ripe by what I had found out. But right after that, I decided that I was going to call the FBI and tell them that I was going to be coming 
to Washington to collect the uh, $25 million reward for information leading to the arrest and capture of Osama bin Laden. So I made uh, arrangements to take Amtrak to go to Washington. And on Sunday, the day before I was to get there, mysteriously they killed Osama bin Laden at sea with the body never to be found or seen uh, in a body bag uh, set over the ocean. So if anybody wants to comment about that, you know, go right ahead. Go ahead, Russ. Oh, I, I was uh, kind, of, kind of wondering that uh, the year was this was this 2011 that this this came up this came about. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, there's uh, all sorts of reports of when Ben Laden died, and man, I'll tell you this, you know, this is <laughs> I don't know who to believe. Well, I can tell you this. I would have got off the, the uh, Amtrak on the, the, the next day, Monday. But on that Sunday, they came up with that bogus report that he was killed at sea. But I called the FBI one day before that and told them, you know, that a couple of days before that, on Friday, that I would be there on Monday. Because for where I was in Michigan, it would have taken me so many days to get across. I figured, well, I'll spend a couple of days with Kathy. And then I'd come down there and I'd collect that 25 million because I did and I you know I challenge anyone here who's listening they can go to my websites and actually see you know my websites and see the research I did on that because I wouldn't throw anybody under a bus unless I can prove it so right after that they had this big thing about who is Barack Obama the birther thing so I said now I'm going to go into meditation I, 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 I go in and I get stuff I have my guidance whatever and then the next thing I know I get up the next day and they tell me where to look and what stories to write and things just are given to me. And it's been this way a long, long time. So I, I spend, I, I light a white candle and I go into meditation and I ask specifically for someone to give me, you know, Barack Obama's true identity, you know, the information. It took about three days and I got it. They told me where to go, where to look. But what I found out was that Barack Obama was the son a boomable Aduya Day of Thailand. His mother was uh, Queen Surrogate, the, uh, the queen, and he was like the youngest son, the throwaway son, so to speak, because his older brother was named Bergeralongkorn, and he would inherit the throne. So Barack would never have become king of Thailand. So George Bush, who was very close to boomable Aduya Day, they had to run the, the Crescent Drug uh, Triangle there through Vietnam, Cambodia, and all these countries. And they had a drug ring going with the Vietnam War, and then they would funnel the drugs to Cambodia, make it back to Thailand to be processed, and then sent to Germany, where Barack's older brother, Virgilonkong, was there to receive the drugs, and the drugs would then be put into pharmaceuticals, like Pfizer and all these other companies, which were all in Germany. So that way, people who, who were getting drugs all of a sudden didn't realize that their drugs would be laced with morphine, but the fact that these companies would be in Germany, they would be, they couldn't be prosecuted. So this was a scam that they were running and they needed to be able to funnel the money. So they concocted a scheme that Barack Obama would become president and then they could for 50 years at least keep the money running, the drug, drugs running and the CIA would be able to, uh, to make sure that they could keep things going. The wars in Iraq, well, basically, you have 10,000 troops there, Israeli Mossad and U.S. troops, to guard the poppy fields to ensure 
that they could keep the drugs going. They even built a bridge for, in uh, Afghanistan to Uzbekistan, and that bridge was was to send all the uh, the poppy out out that way into Russia and other places, so that way they can get it out without being seen. So this is all a big drug thing. Bush Senior, his nickname was Big Poppy. He was a, a heroin addict for a long, long time, and he went on to become president. Here's a man, like I said before, was a Nazi. He became president and would stop at nothing to be able to create a world of chaos and have his people in charge. So for the last 50 years or whatever, this man and his minions have been running the United States government unbeknownst to the rest of us. I'm one of the few people who've been able to put all, connect all the dots and as a result of it, I've had 20 years of people, you know, sticking me with stuff like a pinata and uh, trying to kill me on many different occasions. So my coming out tonight is for, to let people know that I'm speaking my truth tonight. So if this was my last day on the planet, I got my peace. I said what I needed to say. And people should know that the mind is like a parachute. It only works if it's open. So I ask everyone listening to have an open mind, but look me up, look all the places where I cite this information, and you'll find out that we've all been had for a long, long time. So these are the things that I was going through, you know, in, in the course of learning about what was really happening in America. But it all started when I was in uh, Canada where under a case of mistaken identity, somebody called me Mahada, uh, Muhammad. So I knew that the dots were starting to connect. But I realized that the 9-11 uh, false flag event created the ability for the uh, Bush administrations to go over and steal all the gold that was in building number seven that people didn't realize that all the banks were Bank in America and all these places on Wall Street were housing their money under building number seven. Now, building number seven was never hit by a plane, but yet that building mysteriously came down and all the gold was stolen. So this was the greatest American bank robbery ever. That was a smokescreen that was created because of 9-11. Now, thereafter, you had the rush to judgment, which everybody remembers with uh, they're saying Osama bin Laden had uh, done it. They were saying that Saddam Hussein was in cahoots with him. No evidence was ever found. And you look at it and you realize now when a time capsule 50 years from now, the truth will be out as to who is really running this country and what they really did. Because if you can follow the money, then you'd be able to know, know who is responsible for all of these things. But this is all the things that I was going through uh, while I was making these, these discoveries. And so now here we are, um, fast forward. Again, as I said, after I came back to New York, and this was like in May of 2013, I started looking for jobs again, and I couldn't get a job here. You know, my social security uh, number couldn't be found. You know, my applications, everything was, uh, sent, you know, send us a resume. Well, my, my resumes never get there. I'm like, wait, well, can I drop it off? Well, no, no, we don't do that. But I realized, well, this is going to be impossible for me to get a job if I can't physically hand someone my resume and I have to send it in, they'll never get it. So here's the lost sock on the dryer coming back to bite me again. So I realized it was a, a very strong effort by uh, a covert group 
to keep me unemployed, to have, make me have no money, maybe find me under a bridge. That way they could, you know, take, take me out because dead man tell no tale. So I decided that my best offense was to learn as much as I could about what they were doing and be able to be the voice out there on YouTube, my websites, and make sure that I had enough money to make sure I kept that website active no matter what. If I had to do without a meal, I made sure that I was able to pay for my, uh, my annual dues or whatever I needed to do in order to keep my internet presence active because I knew that was my one way of staying alive. Uh, Stephen, when you produce all your videos and you've got thousand, a thousand, I think, right? Uh, all your I lost count, but yeah, yeah, it's up there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's way up there. Um, how do you do that? Do you do that just by yourself? Or do you have equipment like a studio in your home? I mean, how do you go about producing all those videos? Well, I uh, had a studio in my home. Or wherever I was going, I created a makeshift studio. Uh, I always made sure I had a very good microphone and uh, photos. I, I used a lot of still photography and uh, movement, like Ken Burns effect, if I didn't or wasn't running a camcorder for video film. But I realized that it was content and narration. So I made sure that I enunciated very well and I had good topics. And I think because of that, I was able to produce quite a bit of videos and I found things that were interesting and I felt that if someone was going to do this to me, I was going to do my best to be able to have my sovereignty and allow these people at some point down the road to have their hands put behind their backs and have to be read their rights and not me have my rights read. So I used my wits to be able to do that. I, I've worked with film crews who I produced, you know, Hollywood type movies with. And uh, I've been a one man band for the most part. I look at the credits of a movie and I see like 80 people in one movie. I can do the same thing by myself, you know, uh, just hire a couple people. I've learned that well. My, uh, my training in the last 20 years, as I said, I was forced to have to, to do what I'm doing. I worked before with Circuit City as a video counselor. So I spent a couple of years working with electronics equipment, camcorders and, and, and things of that nature. So I learned early on how to use all these things. And I was always reading. I, uh, you wouldn't, a week wouldn't go by that I wasn't reading a technical manual on something. People look at me like, why are you reading that? I said, why? This is my passion. This is what I enjoy. And from a little boy, you know, uh, movies had always been a big thing. I was always in, uh, enjoying movies when I was a baby. My mother and father lived in Culver City where they had me on the set when they were making movies on the set. So from an early age, it must have rubbed off on me, the, the cinematic uh, side of me. So that's kind of how I got started with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I've seen a lot of them, a lot of your videos, and they're excellent. Um, well, a lot you. of it is the discovery of something or the secret, uncovering the secret of something. So they're very compelling just in the titles alone, but the topics that you have range anywhere from the hollow earth to uh, the Solvagio scale to, you know, the truth of um, JC Brown and legend of JC Brown. You've got just a, a breadth and width of subjects. So I encourage anyone who's listening to take a look at Stephen's 
websites and his videos. He's done a lot of research um, and it's, they're very compelling. They're, they make you think. So good job, kid. Well, I want to thank you very much. Like I said, I, uh, I always found something that piqued my interest. And when I created them, Jen, it was always for my own consumption. I never asked for viewers. I didn't care about how many people were, were watching, but I had millions of people on different websites. And when I realized I arrived, it was when I got my first million on Sedonia Productions. The next thing I looked at Alex Jones, they had a banner of him on my site when he was nobody. He, nobody, he had like maybe 2,000 views and all of a sudden he's got almost 100 million. And I realized that he's been riding my coattail, you know, for 10, 10 years or so. So I thought that was a major accomplishment that we have people like that riding uh, on my coattails, like the Indianapolis 500. I was the pace car. And for the last 10 years or so, I guess I've been the benchmark that people you know, would contact me. So, well, how do you make your movies? What do you do? And I, I'd spend time talking to people or emailing people as a fellow who I, I built a website for this fellow. I mentioned his name, Chris Baird, and he's a hollow earth guy. He contacted me after seeing some of my research, and I built a website for him, never meeting him. I haven't met him now. It's still almost 10 years now. And I looked at his website the other day, uh, and uh, I, I, I marveled at the fact that, you know, you know, even though favors cost money, I did it for free, but then I go on the site, and I see he gives me credit for different things of learning his, you know, uh, getting his experience his feet wet, and I realized that, we're all in service. We all have to do some, but I build websites for rabbis here in New York. You know, they invite me to, to the temple. They go, well, your mother's Jewish. Come to the temple on a high holy day. Wear a kipper, wear a white shirt and a, you know, and a black pair of pants. And they hug me and say, you're like my son. And I say to myself, here I am, you know, a Jew. My mother's a Jew. I'm, my, my father's Italian. It makes no difference. And here I am. I'm invited into temple. And I got this Israeli Mossad across the street that are all hiding as Hasidim Jews trying to kill another Jew. And I go, wait a minute, what's the matter for you, you know? <laughs> uh, Stefan, uh, Stefan, uh, just hold on just a second, Stefan. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to a break right now. We'll be back in about three to five minutes. And y'all, everybody here is listening. Just stay tuned. Uh, go do your things, and we'll be right back. Thank you. That was good. Damn, he got so much good information. Anybody going to talk to me now? I'll talk to you. Okay, honey. <laughs> oh, my God, I was falling asleep. I know, I saw that. I'm like, hey, hey, if you hadn't woke me up, I would have definitely gone down. Because I'm actually recording all this. <laughs> You might have to edit this now. Nah, I don't care. People know me. They they know I fall asleep or I fart on the air. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't done that a long time since Vanessa's been watching my ass and I'm being careful. Uh-oh, I said a bad word, didn't I? Ass. Yeah, you, you're talking. You're still well, working. I'm going to tell you something. Hi, everybody listening. Hey. Hey, President Donald Trump, thank you for the alert today. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Yeah. Trump. You're doing a great job, sir, and I support you. Yes, and I support you even though I'm Canadian. I support you <laughs> as my husband is American-Cuban. Oh, shit. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, I'm Canadian. 
sort of American, so I definitely support you. Well, thank you, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> we know what's real. Yeah, we do know. Uh, I've been slipping here a little bit. I think I'm getting old, and I'm falling asleep everywhere. Especially when I'm driving, I don't sleep. <laughs> I got to be awake when you do that. I, I can't believe, Nicole, when I left the show last week, mm -hmm. I drove 15 hours straight. I know. Nicole, I didn't, go out of that, I didn't go out of that car to go pee. I peed in a damn bucket. <laughs> what about uh, Randy? Oh, Randy, man, he had a, I had to stop every... Uh, Randy's got a, a leak somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he starts, he drinks a lot of coffee to go. He drinks one of 64 ounce mm -hmm. of coffee and he'll drink that all day and then he'll fill up another one. And he drinks it cold. I don't know how he does it, but you know, it don't matter. He's doing a good job with me and I'm glad he's here. Yeah, Vanessa. I think Vanessa fell asleep in the bowl. She's not. Oh, I'm sure she's listening and shaking her head. <laughs> oh, oh, I yep. think I think I made. <laughs> you might want to edit the um, breakout. Mm -hmm. Oh no, uh, no, no, no! I, I got it on pause. Okay. Yeah, we're not. I'm, we're not there. You know, Vanessa. Because you can edit it when you download it to YouTube. There is an edit features on there. So yeah, nah, don't worry about it. We're fine. You know that there's a, a small town and out of the middle of nowhere, and we went through Highway 301 from uh, Jacksonville down through the middle of Florida to you know make time. But we didn't make time. We lost time. There's a place down there, very small place. It's called shithole city, Florida. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and guess how it's spelled? C-H-I-I-T-T. -T. So, chithole. Oh, they shithole. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible I think, name. I think that's <laughs> the Irish pronunciation. <clears throat> Shite, oh, yeah. Shite. Well, C H S C H. No, I'm sorry. It was S C H S C H I I I T T. Shithole City, Florida. Definitely Irish. Must have been. Well, I I really said it. I said, Mandy, that sounds like shitholes. Shithole cities. Max is not shithole. Man, you always get it wrong, right, Max? I can't help it. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, when I was that, down there with those people, those people were so very nice. You won't believe how many things they did. They did a Tesla healing machine on my finger twice. Oh. And yesterday they came up. On their way to Pennsylvania. And, and they, they went in an hour and a little bit out of their way to go visit Max at home. Oh, and, they, and they did the uh, Tesla machine again on me. Awesome. And then another person that comes from California, I forget his name, uh, they're doctors. 
and uh, they they became Knights of the Templar and all that too. And you can go to college and be a and be a doctor. Oh, here we go. While back at the ranch. Welcome to the captain. Hello, welcome back. It's nice to hear there's there's still people out there listening to the show. I want to apologize to all of you. You know me, I like to tell the truth. I actually, Stefan, I, I didn't mean it, but I was falling asleep because I ate too much. And I'm still eating, okay? But Nicole said, Max, wake up, you're falling asleep. So I, I finally woke up, and how you know how I kept doing, awakening when I, I kept wake. I mean, wait a minute, I got all mixed up. I kept from falling asleep. I started eating Doritos, nacho chips, <laughs> and that kind of messes up my teeth. So I kind of woke me up. Listen, Stephen, you got really great news. I'm telling you, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, sticking out your neck out there. But you know what? You came to the right place to do it. Because well, I, I... everything You're right, Max. Everything happens in the right time. And I thank you for yeah. giving me the platform. But you're going to find the next bit of information I give you really interesting as well. So I'm going to give you more more tidbits and gold here. And, and these are hills. Well, go for it. I'm going to mute myself. All right. So what happened was here I am. My mom just died. I'm back in New York. I can't find a job. And I got my suit on. I'm walking around the city. And I'm saying to myself, man, what am I going to do? So I see the Trump Towers there. And my ex had worked for Trump in Atlantic City. And I remember the good guy he was. I mean, uh, he, he and Marla were, were driving one day to the casino. They got a flat. And uh, unbeknownst to the good Samaritan, he didn't know that Trump was in the uh, limousine. So he picks the flat for the uh, limousine driver. Donald rolls down the window and asks him where he lived, who he worked for. And within a week, Donald Trump paid off the man's mortgage of his house. So I realized, you know what? This is a good guy. So I went and created a website, you know, Donald Trump for President in 2012, because I really believed that we needed a change. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll set a fire under the man. So I went to the Trump Towers to tell him about it. He wasn't there that day. So I gave a US, uh, uh, USB flash drive to one of his assistants, and I told him I had information he needed to see that. Barack Obama was uh, not who he says he was. He's really born uh, uh, from to king and queen uh, of the uh, Duya Day of Thailand. So right after that, Barack Obama was now being challenged by Donald Trump because I had the goods I gave him to Donald, all the the stuff on the USB to challenge his his claim that he was a U.S. citizen. Now, a month after this all happened. Someone in Hawaii stepped up for him uh, from the Department of Vital Statistics, a woman, and claimed that he was born in a certain hospital, yet he couldn't remember which one his sister and him were, like, were confused as to what hospital. But a month after that, he was given a clean bill by the U.S. government. A small charter plane went up over Hawaii, and the plane crashed. And there were seven people in the plane, but only one died. And that was a woman who vouched for Barack Obama having the legal Hawaiian birth certificate. So it was kind of interesting that happened. Also, too, the fellows who, uh, who were in that uh, raid on uh, Osama bin Laden in uh, Abadabad, Pakistan, a month after they uh, supposedly killed uh, Osama bin Laden at sea, 
they got killed in a uh, in a fight in Afghanistan, and their helicopters went down, and uh, so dead men tell no tales. So they got rid of the people who could prove it was all BS. But this was some of the things that I have uncovered and discovered. So I've got two presidents here that you know I share with you that are not who they say they were, and even George Herbert Walker Bush. I had photos with him in front of a Dealey Plaza moments after the shooting, but yet he claimed not to have been there. I have photos showing Lee Harvey Oswald downstairs as well, while the motorcade is making the turn right on Dealey Plaza. So he could not have been, you know, up in the sixth floor window. So this has all, you know, been a pack of lies perpetrated against the American people. And it's time that everybody wakes up and realize that these congressmen, these senators are not here for our highest good. Chuck Schumer, the one who I contacted about my my uh, Social Security being erased, whatever, he's a double agent for the Israeli government. He's got dual citizenship with Israel. How in the world can we allow politicians to be able to give secrets to other foreign nations and, and be have a high high elected post in this country? You know, this is wrong. I mean, that's why they convicted the Rosenbergs for treason in the 50s, because they were selling American secrets. And here we are, we have a, a high-ranking U.S. senator who was definitely an Israeli Mossad agent, and uh, nobody, everybody's given him a pass. Now, I'm not anti-Semitic. As I said, my mom's Jewish. I'm Jewish. It's in my blood. But if it's not right and it's wrong, you've got to call it like it is. If it's a duck and it walks like a duck, it's got to be a duck. So I'm here to tell you that there are people in this country that are hiding behind religion, and it's wrong. A religion is not a nationality. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a philosophy. And don't hide behind a philosophy. You know, you have to have integrity, you have to do the right thing, and you have to be honest. And when you have people that are not that way, they shouldn't be in U.S. government. So these are some of the things that I cry out for is a social injustice that other people are saying, oh, well, you know, one person can't make a difference. No, you're wrong. One person can make a difference, and I'm here tonight to tell you that I'm going to make a difference tonight in the world because when all said and done, I'm not going to say later on, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I got my chance for Max and Jen and Nicole and Russ, and I'm taking my opportunity to show people that I have connected the dots. Since 2014, and we're coming up to me wrapping up what I'm talking about, but since 2014, after my mom died, I moved to an apartment nearby in Brooklyn, and across the street I become targeted by a man named Mr. Goldstein, and he's posing as an Orthodox Jew with the curls. He's got exotic weapons of war, and he's been using it against me on a daily basis for the last four years. My computers have been hacked, my hard drives have been burned out, my external hard drives and USB flash drives are stolen. You know, he has verbally threatened me, and my, my, my significant other has heard him call me. He said, I'm going to get you, you mother effer. Not only did he say it to me across the balcony when I was on the street, he said it to me in front of me. Now, I'm not going to get down to his level because I know if I do something to him, it'll be a hate crime against a Jew. Even though I might say that I am Jewish, the police would arrest me because he's dressed in that motif and that garb. So I decided, you know what? I'm just going to let him blow it out of his ear, whatever he's got to say, and just like not pay attention. So I decided the best thing I could do after talking to the police and they wouldn't help me, that I would put him, Goldstein, and his covert group on my website and YouTube channel because the police weren't going to help me. So if you guys go to my 
Sindoni Says website, I got a playlist called uh, Reality Surveillance, and I put them out there like you put out a cat. I decided, you know, I'm going to put them out there, and I'm going to convict him in the court of public opinion because I'm not a, a judge, I'm not a jury, I'm not a lawyer. Let, let people decide what they want. But if something were to happen to them, they would say, Sindoni has showed us, if you see something, say something, get a camera out, whether it be a cell phone camera, whether it be a camcorder, put it on your site and let the people know what's happening to you, which I did. I decided I was going to go public with that. And uh, in 2016, I was contacted by a man, Elijah Sullivan, out in Mount Shasta. And he said, I've asked people all over Mount Shasta about who dug that hole. And nobody seemed to know. But after talking to you, you seem like you know why the hole was dug. Can you come out here? i like to make a documentary film on you about this. So 2016 and 2018, I just came back from Mount Shasta in August filming the rest of the movie. And now it's going into the editing process. But the last night that I was there in Mount Shasta, I was sitting in Berryvale. It's a little restaurant there on Mount Shasta Boulevard waiting for a friend and I to go to dinner. And this man sits at the table that I'm sitting at. And uh, he told me the girl had just come by. He goes, he wanted to, to know where you are. I told her you'd be right back. Now, I had never seen him before. So the day before, as luck would have it, two of my friends were playing chess. And one of the guys was interrupting the chess match. And one of the fellows, Native American, pulls out a taser on the guy. says, next time you do that, he goes, I'm going to use this on you. So something says, Stephen, you need to buy that taser. So I bought it 20 minutes before this guy threatened me. And I had it in a little paper bag. And I may have told this last week. And after he said, he goes, he goes, you know, they have EMF towers here in Mount Shasta to dumb people down to mess up with their frequencies and ner nervous systems. So we keep people from coming up to Mount Shasta. He says, but I'm going up on the mountain. He goes, I'm a shaman. He goes, I was ex-military. He goes, I got a 45 in my pocket. He goes, if you got any last rites, let's go up on the mountain. He goes, I can fix that for you. So I looked at him. I said, are you threatening me? He smiled, you know, with this big coy smile, probably because he had this whole covert group behind him. So nonchalantly, I open up the paper bag, I pull out the taser, I turned it on, and I said to him, this is for you. Let's go on the mountain. I'm going to take care of you. And then when I get back to New York, you said these Israeli Mossad are going to take care of me. I'll get them one by one. I said, because I'm not afraid of you, and I'm not afraid of them. Enough is enough. I've gone through this almost 20 years, and I'm not going through this no more. So that was the reason I decided to do your show, because I wanted people to know that this isn't BS, this is real what's happening. And I can tell you, you know, that the best defense I've found is offense. So I decided to go public. And that's why I'm doing your show. It's been 20 years, as I mentioned. The secret government and the Israeli Mossad have had their way with the American people. And this is just an example to show you my day. This was where my day starts. The telephone rings waking me up in the morning, all hours in the morning. I get a message that I need health insurance or a back brace. So next thing you know, somebody's turning up the settings on my toaster to burn my toast. They cut the cord on my toaster and my teapot. They change the settings on the microwave from two minutes to 20 minutes. I find my windows and doors open, unlocked in the apartment. Somebody's stealing my tea bags, my sugar, even eating my cheesecake. You know, as Rodney Dangerfield would say, Max, it ain't easy being me. Then I got, today, black helicopters buzzing my apartment on a daily basis, all within the first two hours of me waking up. I haven't even finished having breakfast, and this is what I go through. 
I turn on the TV, and this would be interesting for people to know. I got people changing the channels of my TV, raising the lower the volume, right? Putting on the secondary audio program, putting the, the, the station in Spanish, which is okay, because I, I understand reading and, and, and understand Spanish. So to the point where I can't use an electrical outlet, I had to buy portable generators to power my electronics. So if I want to put a computer on a TV, I use a, a charged portable generator in order to watch it. So this is what I have to do. And I've got radiation burns all over my body. And I've lost, in the last four years, nine teeth where I had to have, to have replaced. And uh, I can tell you, it doesn't feel good when somebody comes up to you and hit you with an electronic beam while you're sitting there or while you're in an airport or whether you're in a terminal or whether you're sitting down with your family or hitting you in the feet and all of a sudden, you know, I have to go to my Chinese doctors to heal me. And thank God I'm into holistic methods where I know how to heal myself and who to see. But I will never go to a, to a Western doctor. You know, they're about as useful as tits on a bull. And I realize that if you want to stay healthy, you know, you need to be able to do your spiritual work. You need to clear your energy and you can't go to the negativity, the darkness and say, woe is me. And you realize that I'm the poster child right now for someone who doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm, I'm proud of that because now I realize that I've got to speak my truth tonight with you guys and to say what it is that I've gone through. And people can believe whatever they want to believe. But I'm not a young guy anymore. And uh, like Danny Glover said in the movie, I'm too old for this minutiae. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And tonight was my opportunity to share with the world what is really going on. You have books like The Philadelphia Experiment, what they've been doing since the 70s to people, mind control, what they've been doing every day to try to manipulate your mind, even with the social media. I give you a good example. In the 1300s, the Jews were thrown out of England for reading other people's mail. Now you've got a reincarnated uh, Zuckerberg who's now letting everybody in the world you know, get the people's information from Facebook, another Jew. Something is wrong that we allow these people to do this stuff over and over. In the last 500 years, the Jews have been thrown out of 110 countries. The only country that haven't been thrown out of is the United States. But 100 years ago, Ulysses S. Grant was about to throw them out for price-fixing cotton during the Civil War. And the only thing that stopped him was an executive order by President Lincoln, because Lincoln said that you can't throw the whole people out. You can only throw out the people that are, in, that are responsible for doing it. So Ulysses S. Grant order was rescinded, and after that he became president, and then he started to have to kiss butt because they were now Jews that were in elected uh, high places within the, the Congress and the Senate, and they were already entrenched in our government over 100 years ago. So what I say to people, if you're going to elect someone in this government, do not allow them to have dual citizenship in any country whatsoever other than USA. And this is something if Donald Trump is listening to me, he should make these guys accountable. No, you can't have dual citizenship with Israel and the United States, because that is a conflict of interest. You know, we want to see your attache case before you leave the airport. We want to see your thumb drive. We want to see what you're taking out of this country, because I guarantee you, Max, they're stealing secrets as I speak. 
Are you sure you're in a queue? <laughs> All right, continue. You're doing great. Awesome. Oh, wait a, wait a minute. Wait, there's a question here by Jennifer. Yes, Stephanie, I was just wondering, you know, it pains me to hear your suffering. You know, they've been torturing you and Ramona for years. Have you ever considered moving and going underground and just getting away from all this? And if not, uh, can we help you in any way, um, you know, get you off the targeted list? Well, if I had diplomatic immunity, that would get me off the targeted list. I think also what would get me off the targeted list is them to realize that this weeble is going to wobble, but he's not going to fall down. I'm not going to take it anymore. And, you know, right now, I will not be applying for my Social Security. I don't need Medicare. They can keep it. They can stick it where the sun don't shine. I will not take a dollar from this country while I have my eyes open and I can live and breathe. I will go somewhere else, probably maybe, you know, St. Croix, you know, which is a U.S. Virgin Island, which uh, I was debating on doing. But even on the island, I had people follow me on the island. They will, like, follow me up to one side of the island to the other, you know, right near the ocean. But I told the one guy, I said, you know, I said, wrong what you're doing following me. He goes, you know what, how us niggers do. I looked at him. I said, well, this nigger, being you said that, is going to be thrown in the, in, the, in the ocean next time I see you. So you better stay away from me. I said, because I'm not bothering you. And then Ramona came. She said, what happened? I said, I almost had to throw somebody to the fishes, you know. So this is the kind of stuff that I get even off the mainland, whether I'm in California, whether I'm in Florida, whatever state I've been in, they've decided they were going to make me a target and I, quite honestly, when I was going to go to Mexico, I was told at the border that uh, bad things would happen if I went to the border. I, I tried to become a citizen of, of Canada, and they wouldn't give me uh, a refugee status. They told me that the U.S. government wants me back because I'm too big of a political figure, and they don't want me to open up my mouth to be the mouth of roared. So the fellow from the immigration service, he says, I know you. He goes, I watch all your YouTube videos. Can I buy you lunch? So here it is, I made friends with a U.S. Canadian official because he said, he goes, you're a good guy. He goes, you don't deserve this. The U.S. government has, has a message for you. So what's that? They said, go back to Canada. I mean, go leave Canada, go back to the United States and enjoy your, your, your life and your grandchildren or whatever. I go, that's easy for you to say, but they won't let me do that. So I don't see my grandchildren now, you know, and I'm not going to say when I've last seen them. And I can just say that it's, I've lost 20 years. I'm not going to get that back, Jen, Max. I'm just not going to get it back. And the only thing I can do is right now is tell my tale so that for somebody else in the future who does not go through what I had to go through. Hold on a second. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to tell you something. Uh, uh, what state are you in? Just don't tell me the city. I'm in a state of confusion, state of New York. Okay. Listen, I got a place for you. Not here in my house, but I do have another place that you can be safe. And it's so difficult to find. It's incredible. I have a lot of friends there. They're ex-militaries. The whole community is ex-military. And you'll be very safe there. And one of those hel black helicopters pop their face somewhere. They're going to get a 50 caliber up their rear end. Okay? 
Well, that's something uh, from, from, from your mouth to God's ears. This is what I've been waiting to hear because, as I said, there are a lot of people that, you know, say things, but, you know, they don't walk the walk and talk the talk. But, Max, you, I 100% believe what you're telling me. And I guess I was divinely guided to meet Jen, who was divinely guided to meet you. And as you've been knighted, you've been given the opportunity to right some wrongs. And in my particular case, the only thing I'm guilty of is seeing something in Canada, coming forward and telling officials that there were terrorists operating in a foreign country who were connected to 9-11. I did my duties as an American patriot. And this is the way that I am repaid. Well, we ain't going to let nothing happen to you. When you want to decide to come this way, I'm going to contact my, my friends in that community uh, tomorrow because my friend that they handles that area, uh, he goes to bed kind of early. I mean, he goes to bed eight 30, so he's in bed, but I will call him tomorrow. And you sent me your cell phone. Uh, Jen, Jen, do I have his phone number? Yeah, I sent it to you. Oh, you did? Okay. I'll, I'll, as soon as I make contact, I will contact him and I will get that information to you. And I will make it happen for you. As I said, I thank you very much. I've got like three books to write, and I just need the solitude of mind to do it. Oh. Very creative guy. I'll probably do hundreds of videos, uh, God willing, and share with people information that they're not going to find anywhere else. I've, I've, I have a fountain of information for the world, and I'm not someone who just finds things and uh, plagiarizes other people. Everything I do is me, myself, and I. The three of us work well together, and the Ascended Masters help me along the way. And this has all been orchestrated. This could not have been done tonight without their help. And I, and I give credit to God and the Creator and giving me the strength to be able to make it all these years, to be able to have this night to say these things. It's almost like pop the champagne. You know, this is, for me, a cause celebrity to have all the people on your network get to hear me, get to feel the energy that I am conveying and bringing across. I'm real. I have integrity. I'm honest as the day is long, and I am truthful, and I love this country, but I don't love what it, what's happened to it. I don't, I don't like what's going on, and something has to change. And if you want something different, Max, we need to do something different. And I hope tonight I've opened up some minds, opened up some hearts, and realized that we're all connected. You know, we may not speak the same languages, but we all want the same things for our families. And we're all good people until proven otherwise. And there are people that are paid to keep us apart. And these are the people that we have to get packing to leave. Starting with my shovel, I will dig the first morsel of, of, of dirt and will bury George Herbert Walker Bush, along with the other minions, Barack Obama and the others, Israeli Mossad, and let them know that you can't continue this behavior anymore. We're not going to allow it. Absolutely. Uh, wait a minute. I'm getting something. Hold on. Mitsu. Mitsu dash three. Mitsu dash three is a Mossad assassin. Mitsu uh, Mits, 
midsole three. Back off. Back off. He's a massage uh, agent for this, for at least. Mitsuo number three. Back off. You know who I am. Back off. Leave Stefan alone and all your friends. Go back and call back on her hole. Okay? Mitsu three, I know who you are. Back off. Stay away from and leave Stefan alone. He's not bothering you. Go away. Or I'm going to have to send you uh, Mr. Widowmaker. Code name Mr. Widowmaker after you. He knows what that means. All right, go ahead and continue, Stefan. Well, basically, you know, I, I wanted to cover all these years of, of what's, what's happened. I pretty much vented all the things, on, I mean, on a daily basis. Uh, how? I'll give you an example. I uh, order something online, and it, it gets returned. I contact the company. Oh, we don't know how it got returned, the post office. And today, I have problems with uh, Federal Express. I call up, and they go, oh, well, the, the driver was there at 3 o'clock, and he said no one was there to pick it up. I said, Nobody came. I said, I live in a building with security guards. You, you got to go to the security guard. Then he's got to ring the bell. He's got to knock on the door. I said, this is BS. And this has happened twice. So then I contacted a company in California. And I made a friend of the guy who, who sends me uh, the information. What this is, are cubes for my security motion detectors for my safety. So here it is, Israeli Mossad don't want me to have, you know, my, uh, my cubes there so I can keep myself safe. This morning, I find my... Uh, window open my back door open and uh i find that the guy was in my apartment today and i'm saying to myself you know they, they wanted last night to uh to, to find whatever i was going to use to talk about the script so what i did last night two o'clock i went and i said ramon let's put on tv let's watch a movie so i stayed up till six o'clock this morning and while i did i'm inside the bedroom and i can I have a baby monitor and i can hear them outside trying to get in but i had I had moved the monitor, I had taped the door shut, I taped the window shut. I'm saying, what the hell do I got to do to get a night's sleep? So I'm topsy-turvy. I used to be an AM person. Now I'm a night bird, not because I want to be, just for my own safety to survive. Now, what I didn't say is, you, you add the fact that these individuals are able to cloak, to go through walls, to go through doors, not to see them. How can police have helped me once I tell police that, they think I would be off my rocker. Now, I'm not off my rocker. So what I've got, I've got bubble wrap on the floor because one of these sons of bitches comes in and I can hear him. I'm going to pull out the taser and I'm going to tase him. I might not be able to see you, but I can hear you. So I've got right now around me bubble wrap, shrink wrap, all around me, eight by eight area, so no one could affect the area where I'm sitting in to have this conversation. So I want people listening to realize the severity of what I got to do. But I'm a thinker, Max. I play chess, and I'm good at what I do, staying moves ahead. Because if I wasn't, Max, I'd be dead a long, long time ago. But God wants me around. God wants me to continue the work that I do because I'm in service to humanity. And for all the people who want to hurt, hurt me, here's what I have to say to them. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You know not what you do. and the word or the affirmation is like uh, a word, H-U. And what it is, 
It's a word that connects us with all the other beings and other star systems to get them to help us. Because as soon as they help us, we can elevate this planet. Because we can't elevate this planet as long as these people are ruling this planet. So I, I tell everyone listening now, elevate your spirituality, connect with the higher beings, connect with the ascended masters, and ask for them to intervene because this is a free will zone but they can't help us unless we ask for the help. So we need to ask for the help collectively and say we need the change to happen now, not years from now. We need it now. Um, I'm just getting some information from the chat right now. Um, I'm not sure if we're being heard on the radio. This is still being recorded, however. Um, so we will keep going. And uh, we'll You know, as I said before, yeah, I was I when I saw the alert today about the internet alert, whatever, I expected some shenanigans. Not that I wanted to see it happen, but yeah. I realized there was a lot of information that was going to come out tonight, and there are powers that be no that they will be running for the hills tomorrow morning. Right. So yeah, we'll yeah. keep going. Uh, go ahead, Russ. What, what, the uh, the uh, main servers uh, from uh, uh, United Kingdom are down. Um, at least they're not uh, broadcasting from there. Uh, it is all being recorded here and it will be in the archives tomorrow morning. So the show uh, will continue to go as we go. So the show will go on. And and not only that, Stefan, I'm high, I'm recording the whole program right here. And as soon as this show is over, I will, I'm going to put your show, the last week's show, on YouTube and BitChute. And then uh, and BitChute, it'd be Max21D if you go look for my shows. Uh, on YouTube, it's the same. But as soon as I we get off the air, I put last week's show on on YouTube, and then I'll put this one on YouTube. Well, I thank you, Max, for doing that because you know uh, this is freedom, freedom of speech, and we should censored or hindered to to make our opinions or thoughts known. I mean, we, people people should be able to agree or disagree. I mean. We, you know, politicians are given a platform for them to lobby and against one another and, and filibuster, whatever. We should have the right to be able to express ourselves in this forum. And whoever wants to listen to it or whoever wants to contribute should be able to do that. And we all have to respect each other's opinions and what they have to say in regards to that topic of conversation. Yes, that's correct. Um, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call the Max Steele Show, Freedom of Speech, and you have the floor, Stefan. Well, I would just say now we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us with the internet. You've got the United uh, Union, European Union now, realizing that they want to change the laws of internet freedom, and if that happens, and the U.S. is going to follow next. You have the big internet companies censoring what can be seen, what can't be seen. And a lot of the people that have shows on certain networks may not be able to get their message out. So we need to realize that we have to stop this from happening. Social yes. networks, you know, can be a great thing. 
and it's a double-edged sword. You know, so I say to everyone out there, be careful what you say because it can be used against you in a court of law. And I don't, I, I'm not on social media. I've never been on Facebook, you know, Twitter, Shitter, you, you name it. I don't go on any of them because I realize that I'm a very uh, vocal individual and I don't drop names about people. I don't have anything derogatory to say about anybody. I'll just tell it like it is because I respect other people and I, I want to see someone, even if it was George Herbert Walker Bush, I want him to live a day longer than me just so I could see him handcuffed and in prison, you know, and close my eyes knowing that he got what he deserved. You know, even him, I wouldn't want them to give him the electric chair. I wouldn't want them to give him, you know, a life in prison, you know, just because you get a person like Nikola Tesla had all of his experiments stolen. I doubt Nikola Tesla would have invented the electric chair, but yet Thomas Edison, that's one of his claims to fame, you know, killing people or killing an elephant to try to discredit another another inventor that uh, alternating current is, is not good for the people and that direct current is the way to go for the future. Well, I look at it this way. We all need free energy. There, right now, I know people, Max, that can give the world free energy. And you know where they are? They're hiding under a rock because they're trying to kill them too. So here it is. If you have secrets, you have a patent, guess what? Somebody will steal it. They'll make sure that the world doesn't get that cancer cure. You know, or that person has to go to Mexico to get it or go to, to uh, you know, Canada to get it or go to a holistic doctor. But if God forbid if that holistic doctor says he claims he can heal somebody, the goon squad from the FDA comes in, confiscates everything in his store, the registers of money, and closes his business down because he made a claim that he can heal people. Something is wrong with this picture, Max. Stefan, on the internet, you can Google this. There are lists of holistic doctors who have been mysteriously disappeared. You know, they're in car accidents or they suddenly had a heart attack. And these are young people. There's a whole list, especially the ones who found a cure for cancer. They are systematically wiping them out. That's exactly right. And, and that's why I say to people listening, open your eyes, people, because it's happening around you. Stop watching the Super Bowl that's fixed, you know. Stop watching your life. Start, start participating in the events of your own life. Did you hug your kids today? Did you kiss somebody? Did you get busy with somebody, you know, tonight? You should, because that's what it's about, to be in service. Did you help somebody? Did a homeless person ask you for a dollar and you just, like, walked over them? Think about it, you know. What kind of people are we? What does it say of us if we don't help a brother or a sister when they're in need? This country, and New York alone where I'm sitting, 60,000 people tonight have nowhere to live. They're homeless on the street. That's a large number of people have nowhere to go, no shelter or nothing. But yet, when they ask for housing, and this is what really appalls me, is that 144,000 vouchers were given out last year in New York City. But they weren't giving them out to a woman who was battered or, or people that were homeless. They gave them out to Hasidim Jews, the, the, the Orthodox Jews, 144,000 were given to them, and all their apartments are 100% occupancy. And only one day that got news coverage. And next thing you know, Chuck Schumer, you know, the, the, the head center in New York, shut it down. And you got people running around this city who don't deserve 
these buildings, these apartments, this lifestyle, getting EBT cards, money for free, having the husband become a rabbi, not working, driving a $40,000 car, you know, while these people are on the street and denied housing. That pisses me off. Yeah, I'm a Jew with a heart. I'm a Jew that's smart. I realize that, you know what? When I see people asking for a dollar, I give them money. You know what I get from the New York police and the Amtrak? Why are you giving that person money? Excuse me? He's only going to use it on crack. I go, really, a dollar? I, I said, you know what? You're a public servant, are you not? They say yes. I said, why don't you protect and serve rather than rather than profile and harass. I said, this guy needs help. Why don't you take him to a place where they'll help him? Like some sort of a you know, hospital or somewhere. Rather than get mad at me because I'm giving him a dollar. I said, officer, I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem. So he said to me, well, come over here. And there was like a gate there to go into the Amtrak section, uh, sanction where it was like Amtrak property for the police. I said, no, I'm not crossing that barrier. He goes, what are you, a lawyer? I said, no, I'm a human, a human with rights. I have a human with feelings. Said, You're not getting me to walk over in that area. I said, I can do whatever I want with my money. Is that not correct? He said, yes. I said, I have a lot of money. I don't know, even know what to do with my money. I said, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do today with it. I'm going to go walk from here, 34th Street to 42nd Street. And every homeless person I see, I'm going to give them a dollar. Is that okay? Now get out of my face. So he, said, oh, he goes, oh, he goes, so what's your name? I said, you haven't earned the right to know my name. I said, I, I'm embarrassed that I'm even having this conversation with you. I said, you don't even deserve to wear that uniform. And I walked away. And in my mind, we need to help the people who need the help. They're laying there. They're sick. They have mental problems. They need to be helped, just like the people who've got student loans who can't afford to pay them back. It's all set up like, like a car loan to be upside down. If we can't get you in debt, you can't have credit. That's the craziest thing. I went to buy a car one time, and because I wanted to pay the guy cash, he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept my cash. I said, let me talk to your, your manager, you know, your, uh, your district manager, there, your office manager. He did. I said, look, I wrote a number on a piece of paper. This is what I want to pay for the car. I'm going back to work. I said, you call me if you want to do the deal. He calls me back. He does the deal. The salesman gets pissed off because he only – you know, didn't make the lion's share. I had no trade in just to straight you buy the car. When I went to get the car off the lot, he cuts the valve stem on my tire because he, he tells me I only made $50 on your deal. I said, so because I'm not stupid and let you take me, you're going to go and do this to my car? And this is what's happening in America. You got these people stealing. The banks are in cahoots with the, with the, the car dealerships. And then they say, oh, now you need to buy undercoating for that car for rust protection. Wait a minute. I don't need it. Why do I need that? Why do I need the extended service? Nothing's going to happen. Oh, because you say it's going to happen. So here we are in this country getting insurance for what we don't need, paying all this extra money to put us in fear, to put the bug in our ear. So I'm just glad that I could say right now that I'm free. No Social Security, no, no, nothing from the government, no nothing. The birds and bees are taken care of. Why not me? And let me make a comment about all that. You're absolutely right. And the problem is that people like you and Max and Nicole and 
me who are trying to expose things and look at the truth and get the truth out there are considered information terrorists by our the powers that were and um and that's the problem um they don't want information getting out they don't want the truth getting out because it's it'll just undo all their systems and um you know thievery and they won't get away with it anymore so you're right you're exactly right john that's why i came on tonight to just put the hammer down because i want people to know what they don't know or what they suspected but they weren't sure of and i can validate some things because by the end of this week people that are listening to me they'll say let's go verify some of these things he's saying by the end of the month i have a lot of followers just in the fact that i make sense and you know that yourself you've met me i mean you see them trying to arrest me while i'm making a movie well because i tell the truth <laughs> that's true you know so i look at this way now if not you jen if not you max if not you nicole if not me then who who's going to do this work uh can i just suggest something somebody just suggested something in the wolf chat room that why don't I do these shows live on youtube you can do that mm -hmm. is that a problem doing that russ uh, indirectly, that's kind of what we're doing. If we have a player that we can have, tell everyone to go to, actually, I posted a, another link here that you can go to and take off uh, right from BuzzMac Radio. It's my server address. And if you type that in, you can go directly right, right back to the show. I want to make a suggestion. Um, it is possible to do it on YouTube. I don't feel that it's safe to do it, though. I prefer the um, zoom format because it is encrypted and then we have control of its content in case it disappears on youtube uh that's exactly right um besides uh this show is being recorded on my zoom apps and uh and when i finish here a downloads into my hardware myself my um hard drive and then i i also put it in another location in case it gets erased or something. If YouTube takes it down, I don't problem. I, I can put it back up again because I have copies it. And not only that, I have BitChute, B-I-T-C-H-U-T. They're going automatically in there. They can't erase that. Well, I think what you do, you're doing is having it in a number of places and, and realizing, you know, uh, YouTube is, is almost a dinosaur now. It's not going to be the place that people go anymore. I will not post anything more on YouTube. I have about seven YouTube sites and I've, I've boycotted YouTube now. They made a lot of money on me over the years and I'm not allowing them to continue. So I've got about seven, eight other places that, that I, platforms that I use and I would suggest that you know, you, you do a search to find out what's best for you. And, and if you've got good content, which you do, and good guests, which you do, and good hosts like you do, people will come. You know, it's like the field of dreams. You build it and they will come. You know, YouTube is, is not the place that it used to be. Once Google bought them out, it, uh, it changed completely and it changed for the worst. And, and my feeling, stop allowing them to make money. Google 
is making money on a lot of people. Everything you say and do is being given to the NSA or Homeland Security or some other covert group, and everything is being watched, looked at very closely. So I would say take back your, your, your Internet sovereignty, take back your freedom, and find a platform where everybody can, <coughs> can meet. And, and I think you've got that, you know, you know, cause that's why, you know, they erased my social security number. Now I've erased YouTube's presence, their channel. I don't go there. Matter of fact, I've got, like I said, seven different YouTubes. And if you ask me for the passwords, I don't even remember one of them because every time I turn around, somebody's hacking them. I say, what do I want to go there for? What, what do I gain by going somewhere? If thine, thine eye offends you, Max, pluck it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't use YouTube. YouTube to me is poison. I've been poisoned enough times to know that if I want change, I must change. I must do something different. I don't have an ego. I tell my truth and I wear my pants the same way. And I told my mom before she crossed over, I said, mom, I said, the only thing I'm guilty of is I got the same DNA as my grandfather. I put my pants on the same way. I speak my truth and I stand up, you know, and, and and hold strong and hold true to who I am and what I believe, because that's what we've got. Because the money burns in the fire. If you, if you're not a good person, you don't have good integrity. You don't have the right intention. You know, you might as well go to hell. You know, if there's a hell, I'm not going. You know, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Such yeah. Our format is good the way it is, I think, and I I don't trust YouTube either. It's corrupt, and it's very controlling. And um, I think the way we do it now is good. Yeah. So anyone that wants to see any of my videos that I'm doing recordings now on Zoom, which is end and encrypted, you can go to bitchute dot com and and look and just to look for me, just put Max Twenty One D. That's all you have to do. A D as in David, 21D. Just go there and you'll see me there. Um, you'll see all my videos. Uh, all this I'm doing now is not, it's not just audio. I download everything, audio and video. In case something gets going, goes wrong, it's recorded and also MP3, MP4 at the same time. So uh, we're coming very close to the end here, Stephen. And... Uh, we're going to go to have part three next week, uh, if you don't mind. No, no, I, w I would love to do it. I think next week for me is going to be a very fun time for me because I will share uh, the origin of Earth and other places and legends, mysteries, and things that people clamor for that they want to know more about. And this is probably going to be my last interview, unless you guys keep inviting me back, but I won't. <laughs> doing with anybody else uh, for the rest of this year. I've, I've paid my dues. <laughs> I, well, we've had a lot of feedback from the chatters and they love hearing from you. So I hope it's not the last that we hear from you next week and maybe we'll, well you know what? I pop you in a couple all. more times. <laughs> I, I, I love you all dearly and I really do. And uh, you have an admiration society uh, here in New York. And, uh, and I thank you for giving me the platform and I will continue to do this 
as long as you guys ask me back. I mean, it, it won't take much for you to get a yes out of me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. Well, what, I, yeah, what I see, here's what I see. I see that the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, my best defense is to, is to have my offense to be able to be heard on a regular ba basis and possibly be a voice of reason, you know, a voice of many voices of reason on your panel. I'm honored that I can do this because we're all like-minded and that's what's going to happen. More like-minded people are going to band together and that's what we're going to do. We're going to change this paradigm, this existing paradigm, make it one where we all live in fellowship. And as John Lennon said, say, all we got to do is give peace a chance, you know, all we're saying, that's all we're saying, you know, uh, and the man would still be here. You know, if he didn't, you know, scare the bejesus out of people with, with that, that thought process, you know, you know, and uh, as I said, I hope someday everybody will, will be on the same page and join us. And then, as John said, then the world could be as one because we're all connected. You know, we've got to give the power back to the people. People talk about the 99 percent. That's us. <laughs> that's us you know like why are we thinking that, that you know one person can't make a difference we can make a difference i think i've made a difference tonight and not only the people that are listening chat room and and the panel but the world people will be buzzing tomorrow about what i did tonight and there's gonna be a lot of people going to be backpedaling and buying luggage to get out of the country Evan, i want to thank you for having the courage to speak your truth tonight um it reminds me of Picasso saying, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And you have found your gift of um, disseminating the truth through your videos, through like, the book that you are currently writing, and sharing that gift with the world. So thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Well, I want to thank you. As I said, you know, uh, I'm... Uh... I'm happy to be here and, and thankful for the opportunity. I'm glad that you've given me the opportunity tonight. Uh, Stefan, do you have any contact with POTUS? With who? POTUS. The president at, at, at this time? No, no, no. Okay. I'm going to get you all the help you need, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I thank you very much. Uh, because... I know somebody really, really big, really big. It starts with one letter. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know what, what guy, what person I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what it is. One, it starts with one letter. It's right at, it's, it's before you get to R. <laughs> Well, as I said before, I, I thank you for the opportunity, and it's my deepest hope that everyone listening will be empowered by my story. Yeah. Well, you, you're welcome here anytime. Uh, if you ever want to do something you want to get off your chest, even if you're pissed off or not, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. You just say, ask, Max, can I have a show with you? You got it. Well, you know, Max, it's funny, but you would probably love to hear my comedic side. For those of you listening, if you want to get a chuckle tonight, go to YouTube and look for It's a Crazy World. I've got 12 tracks on comedy, 
and uh, I think people would enjoy hearing one of the best stand-up sit-down comedians who doesn't <laughs> live in any club. <laughs> okay. Uh, give give you. Um, let me say, my website is max21d.com. Uh, you can contact me at Special Forces1953 at gmail.com. Or if it's really heavy, heavy duty information, please send it to Special Forces1953 at protonmail.com. It is encrypted from end to end. You want protection? That's where you get it. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Stephen, for being on the show. Uh, you are returning for next week's show. Same time, same station. This is the Wolf Spirit Radio Freedom Network. And it's all in honor to our friend here, Stephen Sindoni. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, this is the Max Steel Show. We're going to end it right now. I want to thank all of you that have been listening all over the world. And my friend, Putin, Vladimir Putin, thank you for listening to the show. He was listening. I just want to say that on the end. Okay? Uh, also want to thank uh, uh, Tampa Stadium uh, Hotel in Tampa, Florida, that were so kind and so beautiful in helping me out. And I want to thank them. Uh, the Econo Lodge, where I was going to start, was going to stay, uh, they didn't have the proper accommodation, but they did help me get into this, this hotel next door. I want to thank them, too. So, everyone, we'll see you next week on the Max Steel Show with my wife, Nicole. Oh, one last thing. Hey, Nicole, you know what? What? I love you, honey. I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you everyone and thank you everyone and we'll see you next week with Jennifer Nicole, myself Vanessa and Russ my executive director see you next week I love you all take care